0: Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. One of the things that I hear a lot nowadays uh, and say a lot nowadays is, oh, are we not supposed to like them anymore? (laughs) Do you ever say that? Oh, are we not supposed to, are we not into them anymore? This is usually said in the context of a company or a public leader who does something problematic. And as a public, we are responding to that problematic thing by boycotting them or not using that service for a while. So it's like, oh, are we not supposed to like, uh, this app? Okay, I'll erase it off my phone until they change their policies. Are we not supposed to like this company? Okay, I'll shop somewhere else and it's a really important strategy because forever for however problematic cancer culture is it is trying to bring to the foreground problematic things that are constantly being put back in the shadows and so i am grateful when i can find out when companies are doing things that don't align with my values so that i can respond to them that is valuable and we see that there are shortcomings of cancer culture uh cancer culture tends to operate in binaries ironically in the circles that i'm in binaries even when talking about non-binary people <laughs> um of like cancel culture kind of creates this like you are all right or all wrong kind of category like this person is problematic they're gone this person is uh doing something great and we're gonna kind of like deify them almost to the point of like setting folks up for failure so that when they do something wrong they are cancelled and this is kind of like the blessing and the curse of, of this understanding of like uh, uh, cancel culture of, of, of understanding how we can call out and shape problematic things happening in our world. And I do believe as a Christian it's our responsibility to think critically about all of those things. And perhaps it's this reason that in the Bible, especially in Jesus's ministry, we see him talking about some theological constructs that at first glance can be a little binary, right? Like the kingdom of God is like this, um, a lot one of the theological constructs that we use in um at new city church as well as in my book a lot is like the kingdom of God in juxtaposition to the empire um uh, the uh, the wheat in comparison to the weeds like there's like categories of like this or that sheep or goats right like Jesus talks in these ways I think really to try to um, bring to the foreground these problematic things that were pushed back into the shadowy background otherwise, and that is helpful, right? Like philosophically, we do need that. Um, and it reminds me of, (laughs) uh, I, on, on public radio, uh, this week, I heard a story about children who started to create their own podcast. And one of the episodes of their podcast, was to interview janitors and sanitation workers in their building, which is a fabulous idea. And they told the story of these janitors who one day came to school and it smelled really, really bad. And those janitors for a week, tried every single thing that they could do to figure out why this was smelling so bad. They brought in Uh, uh, they uh, brought in what are those called dryer sheets and put them over the vents. They tried air filters. They tried like really deep cleaning the carpet. They just scrubbed the walls down. Like why does this whole building smell terrible? (laughs) Because kids can't learn if the whole building smells terrible. And so these janitors um, in doing a task that I'm sure wasn't exactly in their job description decided to crawl through all of the crawl spaces in all of the ducts, like the air ducts, of the entire building to try to figure this out. And sure enough, uh, one of the janitors discovered a big old dead animal right there in the air ducts and they figured out a way to clear it out. And then the kids were able to, uh, to go back into the building and to be able to learn again. So first of all, the first lesson of this sermon is shout out to custodians, janitors, people who clean space, sanitation workers, Woo woo! grateful for them. Um, but the second is, I think that that's kind of the image of, of how it's helpful to name what is problematic in really stark terms, in stark contrast. Because when you can name what the empire is, when you name what is problematic, when you name the the forces of oppression and racism and and homophobia in our world, it allows us to kind of zoom in and stop putting like uh, uh, air fresheners over the vents. And it starts to be like, we need to, Uproot the problem here, and so it kind of like allows us to crawl through some air ducts to discover what is rotting in our society and remove it. Because sometimes you can't just cover up what is rotting in society. Sometimes we have to go and take a deep dive and remove it, and that is valuable. And I believe that Jesus set up this contrast between the wheat and the weeds because he's like, if we don't go on our like crawl on our elbows to figure out where the weeds are we're going to like starve as a as a society <laughs> like spiritually he's talking about right and and i believe that that's um, that's the dynamic that a lot of these like strong binary kind of black and white contrasts can create and that is helpful however we also know that this dualism in practice doesn't really exist in in its purest form. Like, somewhere deep inside we know that there is not one person who is 100% all bad all the time, even like the worst person that you can think of right now. Like, they're, <laughs> they're not like 100% all bad all the time. And likewise, even when we think of the people that we admire the most, we know that they're not a hundred uh, percent problem free all the time. <laughs> like we know that that these kind of like purity forms, this commitment to a purity understanding of all one way or all one one other way, is not how the world is. And sometimes as helpful as it is to c- create these two types of categories, it's also worth putting these back together and understanding the whole as a unit. So yes, perhaps the community organizer is both an amazing community organizer and has a very fraught relationship with her roommates, (laughs) right? Like, even in the church, right? Like, yes, uh, this pastor is a really good, uh, uh, really good listener but uh, this pastor is also running the church into the ground (laughs) or like yeah uh, this church is uh, a place where the vibrant worship allows people to experience God in a really rich and profound way and it's an abusive church. Those exist in the same place and a lot of the people at New City Church are having to kind of sort through and wrestle through like what their theology is, what they believe, their relationship to the church is, like what they think about God. Not because it's simple, but because there are layers to this stuff. Like, yeah, I did encounter God in that worship service and I developed like a hatred for my body. And those both happen at the same time. Like that is the, that's the reality of a non-dualistic world that like these things come together. And in fact, Jesus, when talking about wheat and weeds says, hey, these things are going to grow together. Here's the visual that I have from my book. It's like, yeah, these things are just going to be all mixed up. And, and that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about what is problematic. And if the prophets teach us anything, it's that calling out what is problematic, calling out the weeds, even in the midst of the mess of all these things living together, is important, because it is one of the ways that we keep the empire at bay. Otherwise, we're just giving free reign to folks, you know. Um, And we see this dynamic play out in the book of Ezra, which is uh, where the reading front today was from. Ezra is in the Old Testament, like, the scripture that we have before Jesus's time. And in Ezra, we hear about, um, so a little bit of context. So the, the uh, Jewish people were like um, exiled into Babylon, like Babylon just like destroyed everything. And those folks were like taken into diaspora into Babylon. It was a very culturally traumatic experience for them because not only did their homeland uh, burn and they were extracted from their homeland, but the temple burned. And that's a really big deal because the temple represents where God lives. <laughs> and so like if God's house burns down, like what does that mean for who we are as God's people? And so it was like a major, major pain, like like deep, deep traumas in and a lot of the scriptures are people kind of sorting through that exact trauma. However, eventually the uh, ruler of Babylon was like, you know what, I want to send these folks back. And so they come back and uh, Zerubbabel is like, okay, well it's time to rebuild the temple. It's time to rebuild a house for God so that we can go and like worship God. Like that's valuable. And I think it's such a a fascinating detail in in the scripture here, because he goes about building this temple it's a ton of work, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever built something before, but it's like a ton of work. And, uh, and obviously it's not just like he's building something like a little sandcastle in the backyard. Like he's rebuilding the thing that people had so deeply mourned for and lost. And, and there were like plans for that. And so he's trying to like kind of fill that spot. And our reading today was the moment when the temple is built, and we hear two types of responses. We hear rejoicing. You can imagine the shouts of joy, just people weeping and dancing in the streets, uh, children running around and playing. like the joy of that people have of like, yes, we are an established people again, and God has not abandoned us. This is the prophecies all coming together, and if God keeps God's promises here, maybe God will deliver in all the other prophetic texts that uh, of promises. Like, wow, yippee, yay. And what else do we hear in that cacophony? Tears and mourning. There there were people in the community who looked at that temple and said, this is not the temple that we lost. And uh, and we have experienced so much as a people. And even now that we're trying to build it back, like, will we ever be the same? And so there was like loud weeping and all of that mixed together. It wasn't a binary thing. It was like all of that contributed to the the noise, the shout of the city. And I think that that's the Old Testamental way of saying sometimes when things happen in society, when God moves in society, uh, it is worth rejoicing over and knowing like, yes, this is progress. And I do believe that God has not abandoned us and that through our faithfulness, we are able to step into a better way of being. And Sometimes that same movement is the cause for a lot of tears for people in the community, for whatever reason, because because it is mixed in with weeds and things are problematic, because it uh, it doesn't honor the ancestral ways in quite the same way that we expected, like. And I think that part of Christian maturity is being able to extend beyond the language of what is good and bad and rather to step forward into it like a faith, knowing that God is moving in the world. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to cry. But all of that shouldn't detract from our action going forward. If we are to choose, forward is a good direction to move with God. And of all days, we should be remembering this uh, because today is Pentecost. Today marks the day when the Holy Spirit was like, you know what? I want to invite more people to the party. And all these people from all around the world were like, whoa, there's like fire coming down and descending on us and we're filled with the Spirit. And all of a sudden we are communicating in ways where people can understand us when That never happened before. (laughs) Like people from all over the world, every strata, every social location is like all of a sudden like, whoa, we are in community together and we can understand each other. Even when we communicate in our own language and in the ways that are most comfortable for us, we are now able to be like a family together, a movement together oh my gosh, and it was like, whoa, this is God moving in the world, clearly. And let's not remember that that story comes in Acts, and not too many chapters later, Paul and Barnabas are are in such a deep disagreement that they actually decide to permanently part ways. Paul, the guy who's like supposed to be good at this kind of thing, is like, permanently parting ways with Barnabas. And I think that it's so striking that God is trying to say like, yes, I move in the world. Yes, I make community possible. And yes, you are still subject to being a human in human community. And we're gonna see some stuff happen. There's gonna be fissures, there's gonna be breaking, there's gonna be messiness. But that does not mean that God has abandoned us. It means that God is continuing to beckon us forward. It means that God is saying, you're not done yet. Just because the Pentecost happened doesn't mean that the church is done. The Pentecost wasn't heaven. The Pentecost was an invitation to go forward to the next thing, to know that that God is continually inviting us to the next step. And sure, it will be messy because that's just kind of how things are, but that doesn't mean that our calling is exhausted. It rather means that uh, we as a community can strive forward. And as a preacher who is in the city of Minneapolis a year out from when our city experienced a different kind of fire, okay? It wasn't exactly Pentecost. It was more like a, a white supremacist going around and smashing windows and lighting businesses of color on fire. Like we have seen destruction firsthand. And I think that we collectively are trying to figure out okay, so what is the next thing? And and in fact, as a whole country, we're trying to reckon with this global uprising and trying to say like, okay, so how do we actually move forward? And sometimes I worry that folks who are in social change spaces uh, are being forced to simplify things down to binaries for the sake of catalyzing community action in a, in a problematic way. Like, like a lot of times in community organizing, we have to be like, this is so obviously right and that is so obviously wrong, then you must do this. You have to show up to the protest. You have to go and uh, uh, vote in a certain way or elect a certain person. But do we, based off of the ground that we just covered, we can see th- that there are cracks in that strategy, right? Like when we create binaries, we erase some of the nuance that allows us to understand what actual right action is. And it sets us up for a certain type of disappointment because even when the really good thing happens, the frailties of the human nature still take hold. And then all of a sudden there's like weeping and we thought that there would only be rejoicing at the temple. And suddenly Barnabas is going his own way when we thought that everyone would be in community together. And so like the way that we, cure that as a society is through the spiritual maturity of being able to create action without binary. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like we we need to be able to cultivate a sense of like, I don't need things to be perfectly obvious in order to move forward as a society for, for me to show up. I don't need to know all of the details of the whole situation before I show up to the protest because I still am called to show up in these spaces. I don't need to do yet another book study that doesn't result in any action before I decide whether or not racism is real. Like, there's a certain type of moving forward that, that I think Christians are really called to do, and that moving forward has to have the, the lenses of understanding that God is present in our, pl- in our place, we are not to, to fall victim to cynicism and despair while also not having this like romanticized kind of like everything's gonna be okay now. Like there is, a, there, is, there is a step that has to follow our next step and the next step and both of those layers of what is happening is, are going to be present. And I believe that as long as we stick to the ways of Jesus by centering marginalized voices by centering the people most impacted by justice, by uh, building community of accountability and action, but one that doesn't just call people out, but also calls people in. And, And we build a movement where people are constantly joining in more and more, centering marginalized voices, accountability with compassion, and inviting people along the way. That is how We will fulfill the prophetic promises that God promises throughout the Bible. That is how we will create a society of liberating love, hope, and joy. How we will be able to live into a community where truly everyone can say that they are free. May it be so, Lord. Today, starting today, and uh, and continuing every day. Amen.